0: Welcome to Power of the Cross Radio Sermons with Pastor Farrell Wilson. Please consider giving a generous offering during this message from Pastor Wilson. Just click on the How You Can Help button. It is because of the generosity of people like you that we can bring these sermons free of charge to people around the globe. Now, here is a teaching from Pastor Wilson about the marks of a Christian. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 17, the word of the Lord says, From henceforth, let no man trouble me, For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And every time that I start one of these series of teachings, I'm going to reference this scripture here. When Paul says that in my body I bear the marks of the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And he's saying I, I show physically the marks of Jesus Christ on my body. And Paul had taken a lot of beatings and lashings. We skip over that sometimes in Scripture, but Paul took some horrendous beatings. Just the ones we know of, um, they beat Paul severely. I would not doubt that if Paul we would have seen his back, it was probably nothing but scar tissue. Paul had took some severe beatings for the cause of Christ. And um Also with us, as we go along in our Christian walk from day one, as we start growing, we may not have physical marks, but there's going to be some marks that show we are a Christian. We're we're in a time now that, I would say in 2021, I think we're going to see some tremendous things happen in the church. But in the midst of those tremendous things happening, I think God is ready to separate the sheep from the goat unlike any other time. I think the churches that have been playing church—they're going to be exposed for what they are—and they'll only grow worse. And the Church of Jesus Christ will rise up and be the church in these last days before our, our Lord returns. And no doubt persecution is going to follow that. Uh, I noticed there was a church in Nevada. I don't—I have no clues to what they teach or their denomination. I just know on Christmas they had gathered several hundred for a um, a candlelight service, and they were simply singing some songs. And there were several hundred people there. And the uh, governor of that state fined two churches $10,000 for assembling. And they've had to add the churches. They said it's only going to get worse, and they're going to face stiffer penalties if they continue to do this and break these lockdown rules. And that's why I say we have a choice to make. Whether we're going to be Christians, it's going to show in our life, and we're going to stand up uh, to the government and things that are going to happen in people in this world, or we'll, we'll fold and cave and give in to them. Those things are fixing to be tested in 2021. I didn't know when they was going to come. I've preached for many years that we're going to be tested as Christians and persecutions coming. Well, here it is, it's here. The only thing left I think that we're fixing to see, you're fixing to probably this year, it would not shock me at all to see pastors start landing in jail. You think how things have have rapidly progressed, and uh, I I don't doubt there's not uh, some type of virus, but the enemy's also coming in behind that and using it as an excuse. So your marks are going to show whether you're a Christian or not this year. And one of those marks is courage. It is absolutely essential this mark of a Christian shows in your life that you have courage. And it takes that to live this Christian life. Not only as a pastor, not only in ministry, but it takes a Christian in this day and age we live in. You have to have courage to stand. If you don't have courage to stand, you'll just be one of those who just kind of stumble along in life. And again, I thank God as He separates the sheep from the goats I think it's going to be clearly defined whether you're going into eternity with Christ or not by the choices you make in the coming days. Now, again, I'm going to read that at the beginning of every teaching that Galatians 6 and 17. And then I'm going to follow it up with a few examples. And tonight is courage. So if you will, turn with me to Acts 14 and verse 19. And I want to give you a few examples of courage throughout the Bible. This one we'll spend more time on. In Acts 14, starting in verse 19, and when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Paul had courage to stand up when things are bad. Here's what happened in this section. Paul was saying things people didn't like and they stoned him to death. They drug him outside of the city and they stoned him to death. They left him there and they thought he was dead. And the disciples, I'm assuming they gathered around him and started praying, and he rose up from the dead. I don't think he was just injured. I think he was dead. And he, he rose back up. God gave him a complete recovery. Now, this was Lystra where he was stoned at. Now, but we see here God was not done with Paul. You got to have the courage to understand man does not have the final say in ministry. If man had the final say in ministry, I would have been home a long time ago. It doesn't depend on who wants you in there. It doesn't depend on if men or women want you in ministry. No one, no one person has a corner or a commodity on the gospel. God was not done with Paul, and despite the worst of circumstances, and his courage he stood up and was killed. God gave him a complete recovery. Now, you would think that Paul would not return to this place again. I know me, if I was stoned to death in downtown Grenada, and God rose me back up supernaturally, the last place that I would want to go to preach again would probably be downtown Grenada. But not Paul. He had the courage to stand up. And he went back to this same very area. And he went right back facing the same mob. And... That takes courage to do that. And that is the kind of courage God is looking for. Uh, this, this Christian walk is not going to be easy. I, I there will never be a time that if you're truly following Christ, that your walk with God is going to be absolutely perfect and easy in every respect. When you preach the cross, people are not going to like it. And I, I, why? I can't tell you why. I, I don't know that anybody has an explanation other than people are just evil. And if you'll notice, most of the time that the evil that rises up against Christian is in the name of God. People are doing the work of God. It's religion that will come after you. And now, when the, and then the world starts joining in. You can have it coming from all sides. It takes courage to stand up for what's right. When the whole world is telling you you're wrong. And even, you know, we look at death as a final, that's it. And there's nothing left. You. It's only the beginning for the Christian. And God has victory over the grave. And if God wants to supernaturally rise people up, I, I'm really tired of seeing the church It doesn't believe in these things anymore. God can supernaturally raise people from the dead. He, he can turn a funeral into a party. I've seen people raised from the dead with my own eyes. I've seen people brought back from that chilly Jordan, back into this life for whatever reason. And I didn't really understand it myself, why God brought them back. But I know that God brought them back. You know, after this, he, Paul landed in Caesarea, and he was even allowed to preach to a king. For the sake of time, I won't, you can write this down if you want to go look at it, but it's in Acts chapter 26. And he preached to King Agrippa. Now, this is the guy that was stoned to death, and God gives him the opportunity to speak to a king. How did he give him that opportunity? Through the worst of circumstance. Paul went to prison, and God, through a prison lockup, allowed him to speak to a king, King Agrippa. His words were so powerful to this king. King Agrippa said, you know, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Almost. Almost and no he didn't convert him but still yet his words were powerful enough to the man that he started debating who he was and where he was and he he started debating his eternal soul and friends it takes courage to stand up can you imagine if god put you in front of a king or put you in front of a somebody a dignitary to preach the gospel what would you do this happens to you more often than not every day of your life you are encountering people that are not saved and You know, we, we here. This is what we're going to hear most of the time. Have you been saved? Oh yeah, I, I've been dunked up under that water. Oh, oh yeah, I, I attend the First Baptist Church. Oh, oh yeah, I, I go to the Lighthouse Church. Yeah, I know Jesus. And that's not salvation. Just because you come to the lighthouse is not salvation. Just because you you go to the or go up under the water, that's not salvation. It takes courage to stand up to tell people. You know what? Are you sure that you're saved? Are you positive that you've had an encounter with Jesus Christ? Paul wasn't scared to tell them. And when you tell people that they're wrong and they're sin in their life, they are probably going to react in an evil way. It's never been... And I'm telling you these stories in the Bible to let you know that it hasn't changed since the beginning of time and it's only grown worse. You're not going to be able to preach a gospel that doesn't hurt anybody's feelings and see souls saved. It just won't happen. Sometimes people are going to get offended. Uh, You know, I would rather be offended by a gospel that changes me. I heard it put this way a negative preaching will change you uh, for a lifetime positively. Positive preaching, it does have its, you know, times that you can certainly the Word of God lifts us up when we're down and out. But when we're preaching the gospel for people that are unsaved, I don't think that a positive message is going to have an impact. Yes, there's good news within that, but we also have the courage to, we have to have the courage to tell people, hey, this is what sin is. This is what sin will do in your life. It wasn't many years ago I confronted a lady that owns a restaurant in this area and they put the little fish symbol. They have Christian singings. But look, you know, you're serving alcohol in the community. And I told her, I said, woe unto you that gives your neighbor strong drink. Now, you do anything you want to with that Scripture, but when God says woe unto you, it don't sound like you're going to make heaven your abode. That's what the Word of God says. I can't, you know, you can get mad, you can get glad, whatever you want to do, that's what the Word of God says. If she got tore up mad at me, never come back. And I'm sorry, but it was all over me when I told her the Holy Spirit was all over me. And I do know this, though. I had the courage, despite the finances they could have brought to us, I had the courage to stand up to her and say, you know what? You're wrong. And I hope somehow in her life that got planted down in there. And maybe down the road, maybe down the road, there will be repentance of it. But with things like that, when God says, woe unto you, that are doing these things here, and we've had the courage to stand up and tell them the truth. It's up to them to make that decision in their heart, whether, what they should do with it from that point on. Okay, let's look at John the Baptist. Another great example of somebody in the Bible that had the courage to stand up. He stood up and told the religious leaders his days they were a generation of vipers. They were a generation of snakes. Um and on one particular occasion, he went to King Herod, told him, said, Look, you have taken your brother's wife, and you're wrong. And he also, well, let me just read it. He said, Luke 3 and 19, but Herod the tetriarch, being reproved by him for Herodias his brother Philip's wife, and for all the, listen to that, for all the evils which Herod had done. It wasn't just that he took it, the, his brother's wife, it was also all the other things he was committing. John the Baptist went to him face to face and told him what he was doing wrong. I think there was some conviction with Herod, but they got to drink and they had him a little party. And the I guess it would be his um, stepdaughter talked him into taking John the Baptist's head off. Now you got to understand, Jesus Christ was alive and well and, and preaching out the countryside. And John the Baptist is in the middle of this time preaching he goes to somebody and tells them, you're wrong for what you did. It took a lot of courage for him to stand up and do that. People of this earth and people that are not saved would say he lost it all, but John gained it all. John gained it all and made heaven his abode. He... he he received all the rewards for his preaching. And it just because something like that happens to you doesn't mean that uh, you wasn't of God. Because we know that he told the truth and, and, and the evil did not like him. Uh, let's look at another example. I love this example. The courage of Caleb and Joshua. If You want to turn there with me, Numbers 13 and verse 25. I'm going to read all these verses down to 33 because I think it will benefit us. Numbers thirteen, starting at verse twenty-five, and they returned from searching the land after forty days. Forty days is God's probationary period. God's the number forty you'll see in the Bible is God's number for probation. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and under the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation, showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land where thou sent us, and surely it floweth milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled. And very great, moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea. And by the coast of Jordan. It was surrounded on all sides by the enemy. And Caleb. Stealed the people before Moses. And said let us go up at once. And possess the land. For we are able to overcome it. One young man stands up and said. Let's go. God gave us this land. I know. Now understand. He just said. It's completely surrounded by the enemy. Think of that. It is surrounded by the enemy. But he said. You know it truly is what God said it was. And if God told us to go to possess it, let's go possess it. That takes courage to do that. Thank you for listening to Power of the Cross Radio. We do not sell any advertising on this station. So, we need your help to keep bringing the message of the cross to the world. Go right now to www.cross.radio and click on how you can help. There you can donate by secure means with debit card, credit card, or PayPal. Remember, even the small amounts add up. We thank you in advance for your support and prayers. God bless. But the men in March, there's always going to be that one in the bunch. In this case, there was ten in the bunch. But the men that went up with him said, we are not able to go against the people for they are stronger than we and those giants were the product of the fallen angels. I won't get into that, but understand these were some, like you would see in David and Goliath. And Goliath, it was along law of that nature. These were some very big people. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched into the children of Israel, saying, The land though which we have gone to search is the land that eateth up that habitus thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants... The sons of men which come against the giants, and we are in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we are in their sight. You had ten people here. The majority said we can't do it. Yeah, there's some good stuff in there, but there's also giants in the land. There's absolutely no way we can take it. You know, here's two men that come back, Caleb and Joshua, and they got grapes like this. They said, "Yes, yeah, everything God said it was. God said go possess it. We ought, we can go do it." But yet you got 10 people that say, no, we can't do it. Uh, in our day and age that we live in, it's going to take some extreme courage to stand up to people in this world and say, you know what? We don't have to change the message to reach this world. We don't have to cave into what the world's doing to reach the people. We don't have to be, be a seeker-sensitive church. We don't, we don't have to go and take polls and ask what the people want. We have to preach the Word of God despite what everybody's saying. And you know what was amazing about Caleb and Joshua? Out of those 12 that, in that group that reported back, guess what two made it in? They seen the promises of God. The other 10 died out in the wilderness because of their lack of faith. You will never see anything in ministry if there's no faith. Lord, I have learned this lesson. God has helped me so much in this past year with this simple fact of learning to how how to have faith despite what it looks like and despite the circumstances in front of you. When it looks like we're down to nothing, and, and the heartbeat of the church has died, God breaks out them paddles and shocks it and gives it life again, and says, "Keep going, keep going." You don't understand what's ahead of you. You, you I can't see that far ahead. All I can see is a little bit in front of me. God knows what's ahead. All I can tell you is this. God said, keep going. God said, keep going. Keep preaching the truth. I'll show you what's ahead when it's time. When it's ready, I'll show you. It's hard to sit there. When God's telling you that you've been blessed and everything's over, and yet you're still in the middle of that valley, and Lord, I don't see it. But you hear the voice of God saying, hey, it's okay. The trial is over. You're going to be blessed. Let me handle this. And to sit still and let God do his work. Think of Caleb and Joshua. The whole group there did, told them they didn't know what they was talking about. These were giants. There's absolutely no way we can go in there and take it. And yet they, what they had is they had faith. And they had courage to stand up because they knew what God had said. And if, if, God, if it lines up with God's word, go forward. You can't go wrong. You cannot go wrong following God. Not everybody's going to get on board with you, but in the church, how does it apply to us nowadays? Look, if if you're preaching the truth of the cross, God is going to back that message. God is going to be behind the truth. He is going to be behind the church that has tried their best to preach the truth of God's Word. If they're giving the whole counsel of God, they're preaching all of God's Word God is going to be behind them and He's saying go and conquer because it is out there for us. That field is white and ready for the harvest. We just have to have the courage to go and get it. Okay, let's talk about the courage of Jesus. Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 32. That same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. I love this answer right here. Herod has sent word, said, I'm going to kill you. You better stop it. And what did Jesus say? I, go tell that old fox that I don't have time for him today. I'm just busy. But you tell him, that I'm going to still be casting out devils. You tell him, I'm still going to be healing today and tomorrow. And it ain't going to be long. I'm going to come up out of the grave on the third day. He gave him an answer. I, I know that this was the Son of God, but it says the Bible tells us to be an imitator of Jesus. It says to follow after Him. And it takes that kind of courage. Jesus wasn't scared to go in the temple and break out a whip and start running people down the road. I love it when people say, well, you ought to just preach a little more like Jesus. Okay. You dogs and vipers. I'm telling anybody you're bringing into your religion, you make them twice the child of hell than you already are. And then get a rope and start beating them. Now, that's Jesus' ministry. It is. Read your Bible. I understand Jesus had compassion, but you notice who he had compassion for? He had compassion for those people that were washed up and had no hope. He's seen who was downtrodden, and their heart was ready to receive what he had to say. That's who he had compassion for. Jesus had really very little time for the religious and the wealthy of the world. I'm not. There was people that he was friends with that were wealthy. It wasn't the money that discounted them from heaven. It wasn't the wealth that uh, made it impossible for them to get into heaven. It was their heart and where it was at. He just simply said that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into heaven. But, you know, there was people that Jesus knew that had money, so it wasn't the money itself. It was where the heart was at and loving that money. Uh, Moving on. Now I'm going to give you where we need courage at specifically. We need courage in our church life. A number one that we have to stop doing, we have to stop making excuses for church attendance. We have to. We can't excuse people uh, for that you know, I understand sometimes we get sick, I, I understand sometimes things happen in life, but here I guess is a litmus test. If you're not at church on Sunday morning, but you can get up and go to work or school or whatever Monday morning, something's wrong. I can give you a great example. See, we're telling people that we don't need to go to church where it's landed, the church, right now as we speak. Now tell me that church attendance ain't important. It is vitally important. It is vitally important to your walk with God. And look, church life is neither easy nor a bed of roses. Yes, you have to get up on rainy days and rainy nights. Yes, sometimes when you're not 100%. Now, have you got COVID? Of course I don't want you. I want you to stay home and get better. You got the flu. I want you to stay home and get better. But just because we stub our toe in the dark at night is not a reason to stay home. Just because we've had a bad day. We have bad days at work and we go back. We have bad days at football games and, and events for our children and we go back. We have bad days at school. We go back. So what's the difference with church? It's time in 2021 we start standing up with love and affection and telling people with courage church attendance is vitally important to your walk with God. There's an old song, very old song. It says, like a mighty army moves the church of God. Be it many folk are moving around like a hospital full of cripples. Many want an elevator church. They want to come in. Get in, press a button, go straight to heaven. That's the way a lot of people think church ought to be. That's not church. Church is tough. you got to step through this. you got to walk valleys. you got to go through mountaintops. But the church is not an elevator where you jump in, push a button, and the next stop is heaven. Now, the next part, we have to stand for what is right. If you've been under our ministry any time at all, you've been listening, you've been going to podcasts, or you've been here in this church building, you know that we preach we have to stand for what's right. If there's a number one issue that I know in my life, and I've asked God to continue opening doors is in abortion, I am going to stand up for, and be that voice crying in the wilderness, if I have to, for those that are unborn to have a voice for them. I, I think it was in Washington State. I might be wrong on the state. Yesterday, the governor come in. They, uh, well, excuse me, the governor he gave a veto to bill. They come back and they made it veto proof. It is now passed. They authorized girls as young as 16 years old, 25 weeks pregnant, can now have an abortion, and their parents do not have to say a word. This is a extermination of the human race. Is exactly what it is. When history looks back at us, we will be compared to Hitler. We will. We will be compared to Hitler. And I'll just go ahead a little bit further and say it. The way I see it, I see a group of elite white people that are trying to exterminate the black race. That's exactly what I see. And I'll tell you, there ain't nothing racist about me because if I'll stand up for that black child in a heartbeat and say, what you're doing is wrong, stop it. You're killing your people. They have a right to exist. And the very people that screaming that we're racist, it is a group of very rich, elite white people that are killing off the black race. I'll, I'll say this quickly because I've got to move on, I'm getting a little off subject, but it needs to be said. Over 85% of Planned Parenthoods are in black communities. Over 80% of the abortions are performed on 14% of the population black people. Now, we have to stand for what's right. What about the other things? We know the obvious things like that, but what are you going to do when you're at the office party tomorrow night? Or I don't know, maybe some of y'all, I don't know with COVID, how it's going. But you're at that office party and they pass that liquor around to you and say, hey, nobody's watching. Here's the favorite excuse. Oh, it's just one. Yeah, just that one beer. I cannot touch it. It, I believe the Bible complete it it teaches complete and total abstinence of all these things. No drinking, no drugs, unless the doctors prescribed it to you. Now, the last one on here: the ordinary duties of life. Just in the course of a normal day, you're going to have to stand for the truth. You know, there have been many a brave soldier on the battlefield. But when they come home, and I've seen this repeat out many times, they come home, they get inside of a liquor bottle or they get at the end of a needle and they don't ever come back. And they lose it all. Now, I'm talking about people that have stood up in the face of machine gun fire and showed courage. Uh, There's one in particular I know, the man... He was on D-Day, and I read the list of the things he'd done. I can't even imagine the nightmare he lived in his life, and he lived into uh, the 1990s. I can't even imagine what his daily life was like. He was one of the ones that stormed the beach at Normandy. I mean, we're talking about running straight into a machine gun nest of Germans, and you're watching bodies fall everywhere beside you. And he, made, he was one of the ones, very few ones, that made it up that hill. And he come home, and he got inside side of a liquor bottle and never come out. You know, I'm not demeaning immediate courage like that. But, you know, there's another type of courage. It's a daily courage that it takes to walk this Christian life. You know, Christian courage is not momentary like that. a flash of courage where you go through, and that's it, and it's over with. It's not Christian courage. Christian courage is every day when you get up. Lord, I don't think I can make this another day. and God's saying, yes, you can. And you have that courage inside of you that we're going to talk about in just a second as we get ready to close. That courage inside of you that pushes you to go forward. There's a verse I I hope you'll study. It's in Hebrews. The Bible says there's a great cloud of witnesses that are around us. You know what that means? That means like Gary's mama that has went on before us. That means like Glenn's mom and daddy that's went on before us. My, my grandmother's went on before us. And you go back to Paul and you go back to all those that went on before us. And they're like, they're in heaven. Now you can look at it almost they're like in heaven. That great cloud of witnesses that are saying, you can do this. You just keep going. Don't worry about what's happened today. There's better things tomorrow. And have that courage to stand up for what's right. Christian courage, again, is not momentary, but it's lifetime. We're not running a sprint. We're in a marathon. In a marathon, it ain't how quick you finish. It's just keeping on. It is said of King Henry IV that he was a very powerful soldier. They said what was odd about him, though, when he would go into battle, his knees would start trembling. But he was fearless in battle. He would be charging the lead. And he said he said this one time. He looked down at his knee, shaking, and said, Tremble, you vile things. You'd tremble even more if you knew where I was gonna carry you in about a half hour. <laughs> I thought that was neat. Last point here. How do we get this courage? You told me about courage, Brother Wilson. And this is what has always bothered me, I guess, about other church meetings and things I've been in. I'm not demeaning, they do good, but you told me all those things I need to be. And then I leave out and I walk out the door. But how do I do it? You because I don't feel very much courage today, Lord. Those things sound good, Brother Wilson, but I don't feel that courage, that type of courage on the inside. It's through the Holy Spirit. That's who's going to give you the courage, not you. You can't muster this kind of courage on your own, Bob. You can't do it. And Brother Bob's been around churches most of his life, and he knows this. You cannot get this kind of courage on your own without the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit works through that thing that we always preach, through faith in Christ and Him crucified. 2 Timothy 2 and 3 said, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You will find many times in the Bible there are references in a spiritual sense that we are a soldier, that we keep fighting, we keep going forward. And I can tell you from being a soldier in adverse circumstances, you have to keep pushing forward when you don't think you can go anymore. you got to find that place down inside of you that you can keep going just a little bit more and keep going a little bit more or you won't make it. You just have to keep, and that's in Christianity is even so much more. Spiritually speaking, you have to keep pushing forward and you're going to make Heaven, your home. If you just keep pushing and have the courage to get through this life, First Peter chapter one verses five through six, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, thou know, for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. And I'm going to throw one out for the ladies here, Proverbs 31, and verse 17. She girdeth her loins with strength. And she strengthened her arms. And that's that that, uh, virtuous woman that we've read about in Proverbs 31 for most of our Christian life. We hear it preached on Mother's Day. And that woman, she girds her her loins. That means she wraps herself with God's strength. And don't uh, don't ever think that your jobs as mothers are, are something that's not important uh, my wife it takes my wife getting up every morning to get me and my son going and and she has to have strength to do those things and uh even the wife that sits at home it takes strength every day to keep a family going many women nowadays are having to go to jobs and then play that role of a mom and you're trying to keep the whole household together in our in this day and age we live in families are so blended and complicated and you're trying to keep all these things going it takes courage it takes strength of the Lord to keep those things going. And it starts with faith. You're going to have to have faith in the correct object. And last but not least, you're going to have to have hope for the future. Because if you'll trust God, he said in his word that I, I had there's hope that we have a future and an expected end. When the end of your life comes and you head to heaven... And that courage you've exhibited through your life, it's all going to be like a puzzle put together. You're going to understand that it was all worth it when that day comes. This brings us to the end of the message. We hope that it has been a blessing to you and that you would consider helping support Power of the Cross Radio with an offering. Go right now to www.cross.radio and click on the Donate button. If you have prayer requests or comments, Fill out the contact form on our website or email us at info at cross.radio. God bless and have a great day.